0: One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404 red versus blue sports talk radio where planet red and big blue nation collide let's hope they're still friends afterwards here they are scott and mike
1: everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. This is Friday, January, <laughs> we're already in February, Mike, February 11, 2011, uh, broadcasting live from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. And Mike, I don't know if you're big blue or if you're just... If you're just so excited, I couldn't even contain you in the pre show. You were just so happy about something. What are you what are you so happy about?
2: They won. They won, Scott. They finally won. My Cleveland Cavaliers finally won a game. It's been wow, it's been a long time. It's been twenty six games. It's been two and a half months. Woo! Woo!
1: Wait a minute. Uh uh. How how did you become a uh, Cleveland Cavaliers fan? i got to know. I don't even know why I'm asking. How did you become (laughs) a Cleveland Cavaliers fan?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I I really don't uh, care that much for uh, NBA. You know, I I like it a little bit. And uh, when LeBron James uh, came up, I was a huge fan of LeBron James. And when he signed on with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I became a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. I was like, okay, I like this guy, man, he's solid. You know, I, I became a fan of the organization. And then when he decided to uh take his talents to South Beach, I was like, you know what? You gotta stick with who you wanna be with. And I said, I'm gonna stick with the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's my team. And uh, so I embraced uh, Ramon Sessions. I embraced Byron Scott as a head coach, J.J. Hickson as the center, uh, Anton Jameson as he comes in uh, to be the veteran. Uh, I embrace a lot of these players, and I've also embraced the fact that they had the losing streak of any of the four major sports uh, going. But you know what? They won tonight, and I'm proud of them, and they're just going to keep trying and keep doing the best they can, and I'm going to keep following them.
1: Well, I don't even know why I asked that question. Uh, The Cavaliers, uh, yeah, that's that's your team, buddy. That's my my, my teasing the Cavaliers to the very end. Hey, uh, what a Super Bowl. uh, You know, I I put on the show promo. Before we get to that, I want to thank everybody at the Fantasy Sports Channel, Mark Ronick and those guys. Uh, They keep us streaming live 24 hours, seven days a week. If you can't catch us tonight, which I know many of you are trying to take a break from football right now, uh, especially on your weekends, go ahead and uh, download the podcast. You can put us to your iTunes or your MP3 player. Subscribe right there to the show. Uh, We appreciate that. And then you can just catch us on the road when you're in your car or whatever or you're at the gym. Uh 347-324-5404 is the number to call if you have uh, any questions or just want to chat with Mike and I tonight. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to talk about that mess of a halftime show and the pregame show that they had. We're going to talk about uh, the Super Bowl itself and what that meant. Uh, we've got a little Dynasty segment tonight for all the Dynasty fans out there. We've got uh, Wayne Ellis in the chat room tonight. I know he's a big Dynasty champion in the FFPC, won both of those $750 entry fee leagues uh, that they introduced this year. That's just an incredible accomplishment for for Mr. Wayne Ellis. And then we've got a free agency segment later on in the show, just looking at all the free agency situations, trying to get an understanding of what's going on and what to expect next year uh, as 2011 rounds up, if it ever rounds up, Mike. We've got the CBA still looming. And then finally we're going to wrap up the show looking at some average draft positions. Of a current draft that I'm in right now, that's right, I said it, a current draft that I'm in right now, Mike, I've been drafted for the last week, it's a slow draft, uh, we take our time with it, we're on an eight-hour clock, and uh, I think we're in the 14th round or something, so the team is pretty solidified, it's a 16-teamer, so it's one of those very difficult leagues to have a lot of depth, and I'll share that with you later in the show. So, Mike, I want to get your thoughts right off the bat. The Super Bowl was a spectacle to behold, but, man, what a mess with that. uh, It started off with the national anthem.
2: Yeah. Well, actually, Scott, it started off, uh, I got off work at 5 o'clock, and I was driving home listening to uh, sports talk radio, this and that, and they were talking about uh, there might be 6,000 people that might not have a seat. There might be, now was, Downgraded to three thousand, and as I kept driving further, it was fifteen hundred. I don't know how many didn't have a seat. Uh, it's almost like, well, uh, goodness gracious, the Super Bowl is today. Oh gosh, we better find out where we're going to seat these people. Uh, and that was a catastrophe to begin with. And the NFL's going to say, well, we'll give you, uh, we'll give you triple the face value of the tickets. Well. You know that's not that that wouldn't satisfy me. that wouldn't satisfy you that wouldn't satisfy anybody else that is going to an event like this uh and then it segues into the super or to the uh national anthem now you know she uh, the red lipstick was just totally god awful, and the fact that she can sing pretty good but just botched the national anthem. Man, you better know that one. And the funny thing about it is how many of us know the national anthem without having words in front of them. That would be very interesting to know.
1: Well, I, I we were sitting there, we couldn't believe the the mistake when it happened and I just had to do a double take. I'm like, "Wait a minute, what did she just do right there, you know?" And it was just uh what a, what a disgrace to uh I mean look she's been doing that thing I don't know how long but hey you know what these stars they they they've got these wild lifestyles who knows what was in the way but anyway it didn't get any better at all with the halftime show Mike that was just a I'm looking over at my wife and I'm like are are, are we in like are, it looks like this that we've lost our ever living mind man the human race the people here in the West we've totally lost it we have no clue of what's reality here they. We look like we're looking, watching, and waiting for an alien return or something, man. It was so weird; I I, I couldn't believe it. I, I don't know what they've got planned for Indianapolis next year, but it's got to be better than that.
2: Well, I I was uh, I kept my mind open because you know that chick for the black eyed peas. You know, I think she's kind of hot to be honest with you. And uh, so I'm 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 thinking, okay, this this might be all right. So they started it up, and you know I'm going, oh. This ain't going very good. And then they continue on, and it really went south from there. And then finally Slash showed up with the guitar. And I was going, all right, now we're talking. Get the Black Eyed Peas out of there and just let Slash do his thing. Well, that worked out okay, and then they tried the love deal where the lights didn't show up on the V. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, this has gone from bad to worse to even well, we can't say worse or, but uh it it was it was terrible it was terrible
1: yeah well there you go that that seems like it's the consensus uh, opinion of the uh the halftime show and the pregame you know i didn't do much uh in way of uh props but i did have a couple of super bowl squares none of them hit none of them even snipped. In one of these super bowl pools pools i had i had 30 and then zero, 06 Man, great numbers and neither one of them hit, you know, so you just never sure. know how those uh that's a total random uh blind uh blind score well, finds a nut kind of game, but it is a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Scott, I got uh, I got very lucky on a prop uh that I took uh with uh Wallace for um for Pittsburgh. He got hurt. And that, uh, you know, immediately uh, that just uh, set me up uh, to hit uh, to hit his under reception total. Not Wallace. Who am I thinking
1: about? You got Heinz Ward. You got Mike Wallace. You got uh, what You got Jennings. You got James Jones. You got Jordy. You got uh, Sanders.
2: Emmanuel Sanders. I took the under 3 receptions for uh I, thank you Scott. I'm sorry about that. Uh I took Emmanuel Sanders under 3 receptions. He had two real quick and then got hurt. And uh you know, I, I hate to see anybody get hurt, but that helped out on my prop there. Uh the other prop was uh starts under 16 and a half rushes. Uh that worked out pretty nicely. It didn't work it didn't look good in the first quarter, but it ended right. up nice. And uh and then the third prop that I took was Mendenhall over uh seventy eight and a half yards rushing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he didn't get that. He ended up with fourteen carries, sixty three yards. He did have that long uh that longer run and uh did look good on the day. I tell you what, I, I was it just me or did you think that maybe they should have uh Maybe they should have went for that uh touchdown at the end. I was really thinking that Green Bay, I was like, You don't want to give this ball back to Roethlisberger. This guy's a proven winner. Don't give him the ball back near the end of the game to drive down the field. I mean, he's not Peyton Manning, he's not Tom Brady, but he's pretty close up there as far as clutch performers. That's what he's done all his career. I was like I was rooting for Green Bay and I was like, Don't don't give him this chance to beat you.
2: Well, yeah, in a way I was thinking that, but on the other side of it, uh, it's like look, man, we got so much confidence in our defense, even without Woodson, uh, which you know what we might touch on that here in a little bit, but even without Woodson, uh we got so much confidence in our defense, we're gonna be fine. And uh, you know, the momentum it it was it was weird, Scott. It was a weird kind of game because Green Bay just dominated that first half. And then Pittsburgh come out like we all thought that they would and they really showed themselves in the third quarter. And it was like, okay, this is what's going to happen. We're coming back. Uh, the game kind of reminded me of Pittsburgh-Baltimore.
1: Uh, and,
2: uh, you know, Pittsburgh continuously coming back and finally getting them at the end. Except for this time, Green Bay's defense at the end did show itself, And uh, Aaron Rodgers just – so total composure, and uh, it was total execution for uh, Green Bay, uh, especially in that
1: fourth quarter. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, Jordy Nelson got things started off. Aaron Rodgers looked fantastic. He threw for three hundred. This team is really just set up for the future, man. They're a young team. They lost Woodson in the game. They lost Driver. No big deal, no sweat. They still beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you got to look at this team and say, man, this team has every real possibility especially getting that ground game going to help that passing game,
0: they have a real
1: possibility, not just of being hot at the end of the year, but playing very dominant football throughout the year. It's a very tough team to beat. That Roger can stay concussion-free and you get Finley back, which is, if you heard it at the end of the game, Jennings gets up there and he says, we lost our best receiver at the beginning of the year. He calls Finley yeah. the best receiver. He's, not, he's okay to admit it. Uh he lost their heart and soul. He called Ryan Grant their emotion you know, their their leader in the locker room. I mean that's that's uh that's that's pretty powerful to get those two guys back uh to that team, we could be looking at something special. Uh Pittsburgh obviously they're 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 gonna be fine. They've always they're always gonna be a, a team that's gonna be right there at the end and uh they have a very bright future as well. To be able to pull off what they did with the Rothelsberger drama and all that mess. You gotta give kudos to both those teams. I wanted my Jets to be there. I really thought that it was their year to get there. Obviously, the height, the best team we've had in years. And, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen us pull that off, but they didn't get it done. And, uh, you know, Green Bay-Pittsburgh, great Super Bowl. Moving on to next year because, I'll tell you what, Dallas and Jerry Jones, something needs to be done here because I, I am just absolutely irate over that situation with these fans, these diehard fans, you know, the wives. This one wife, she saved up the money and bought her, bought her husband the Super Bowl ticket. You know, and they get there, and they've probably been there for a week through all that weather, and you've just braved all the elements. The only reason you're going is to be a part of the Super Bowl. And, and you know, I know, this, I know the NFL did something to try to make it up to these guys, but you get there and your seats aren't there. There's just something not right about that. It's totally wrong. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is, but it shouldn't have ever happened. It should have never happened. Not with a Super Bowl ticket. I mean, a game ticket, sixty bucks. This is a two thousand dollar ticket. This is a two- Yeah, this is there's, like there's a, no, uh, like there's running. no making it up. This is I like flying to Hawaii. Hawaii, and then you land in Japan, and they're saying I'm sorry. And you know, it's not. You get one week or two weeks off in the year. You go, you fly, you land in Japan. You know, you're not going anywhere. So it's well, like, you know, I don't,
2: I don't know about that analogy. I. I the, the one thing about it is it, it's an event. It, it's a huge event uh, that's the most watched, and it, you want to be a part of it. Uh, I've been lucky to uh, be at a Final Four. I've been lucky to be at a lot of different sporting events in my lifetime. I've been to three World Series, uh, I love them all. And if I was to go into any of those big events and say, and somebody tells me, I'm sorry, but uh, your seats have been filled, or or we've overbooked. I'm gonna I'm gonna be irate, and I'll tell you that right now.
1: Yeah, we just got uh, uh, some some other folks in the chat room. The Joker wanted to know if Christina Aguilera covered the over on the national anthem, and yes, she did. The yes, over she did. under, I think, was yeah. I was counting. Well, she uh, she, or she covered it by several, several seconds. She kept that note because she had to make up for the uh, the debacle, so she had to do something. Yeah, yeah
2: she, she screwed that up, actually, but I was counting it. Actually, I'm a I'm a real deranged individual. Uh, she, yeah, she, uh, she actually went uh, eight and a half seconds or almost nine seconds on the last note.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, she went even longer than that. It was over ten seconds. It's a mic counting. I do the one-one-thousand thing, so I don't know, but...
0: <laughs> uh, so, listen,
1: you know, I, I, I tell you what, I, cu- I couldn't get over this story and how it happened. But, you know, could you imagine, I mean, if they tried to make up for it and tried to give them tickets to the next year's Super Bowl, which I think is going to be a great event as well if we don't get hit with the snow. We always get hit with snow. Big, big snow, though, on Super Bowl weekend. They've got this big plan to turn yeah, the, to, turn to the, the, circle city, the Circle City here in Indianapolis. They've, they're calling it the Super City, obviously, right? And And they've got this big plan to, like, Cover the city's downtown with this this amazing dome type thing, and they're gonna, they're going to try to protect everybody and uh, keep everybody warm under this under these uh, these these this massive thing that they're building. So you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You get a, you get tickets to the Super Bowl, you get your money back, but there's not What if you were a Green Bay fan? What if you're a Steeler fan, and the whole goal was to see that game and be a part of that in a once in a lifetime opportunity, and then to have that ripped away from you? There wasn't there any way to notify somebody you have to know, or, or at least how about posting that ahead of time for everybody to see and to check your tickets number so you could plan or prepare another, another option? They didn't let anybody know. You could have put that on Facebook or Twitter. It would have been on NFL. It would have been on major news quickly. Please check your tickets. We have a big problem. Maybe you could get your money back. You know, Maybe you could go fly back home, something. They were scrambling trying to get it fixed, and that's just not the way you do things. No, and it's not
2: Scott. And uh, the way the way that I see it, the way that it came down was uh, Jones and the NFL. They were going to pack as many people as they could, and if they overbooked them, I could just see them going. Well, i oh, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. We'll just uh, we'll just take care of them down the road. Give them a, you know triple their money back or whatever. And uh, but. They're not thinking of they're not thinking of the fans themselves, just like what you said. If that's a Pittsburgh fan that hasn't, hasn't never been to a Super Bowl, or a Green Bay fan that's never been to a Super Bowl, much less a Green Bay game, can you imagine a Green Bay fan, a real fan that hasn't been to hardly any games in Lambeau? Because that's a tough ticket to spend that money, go to the Super Bowl, and not be able to watch it, not be able to
1: be there, man, that would hurt. All right, 347-324-5404 is the number. We are absolutely disgusted by that that event. Hopefully Indianapolis doesn't have anything like that happen to them. I think we're destined to see my Jets in the Super Bowl in Indianapolis. You know I'm looking forward to that. I think it will be their year to make it, and uh, that's what I've waited my entire life for. 36 years of age will be this year, and, and we'll, uh, we'll we're hoping for a Jets Super Bowl here in Indianapolis. I don't care no, who wait. the opponent is, as long as the Jets are there. So uh, no,
0: wait, wait. let's
1: talk about this. Let's talk about this Jordy Nelson character for a second. Nine catches, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Mike, you saw the game. He probably could have had 200 yards, and, and and maybe we could have been sitting here saying we just saw the biggest individual performance that we've ever seen in a Super Bowl ever, if it wasn't for a couple of those missed opportunities there. So. Let's talk about Jordy Nelson. Obviously Rogers is the, the main guy there, but Jordy may just have had his coming out party and we're really still in kind of shock or disbelief about it, like it wasn't that big of a of an event because, you know, let's face it, Pittsburgh's corners aren't the greatest. They were they were exposed. But Jordy looks like with this rhythm with Rodgers, he may be just one of these undervalued guys coming up in these drafts over the summer, before anybody really knows what's going on. You might be able to you know, Jordy Nelson, you might be able to snag real, really late and uh he might just be a very special player. Do you feel the same way? Yes, absolutely.
2: The uh the reason I do is because uh I've had him on one of my uh, one of my dynasty leagues for the last couple of years and uh I keep looking at him like you know, I should drop this guy, but I can't. Uh what uh what made him even more special obviously, uh, was the uh the injury to Donald Driver in the Super Bowl. Uh you know, that helped him out. But uh, you're right. I mean, he could have uh, – he had a couple drop passes. I mean, <laughs> this guy could have gone for, you know, 12 for uh, almost 200 or 14 for almost 200. Uh, that's how big of a game that he could have had. Uh, but he is becoming a very integral part of that offense. And uh, Aaron Rodgers and him uh, in the off season, they're going to get together and they're going to talk because uh, – some of those wide receivers, they may not be around uh, next year, but Jordy Nelson will be based on uh, the contracts.
1: Well, look, there were four drafts going on simultaneously right before the Super Bowl were, uh, took place, Mike, and uh, it started right after the uh, the, the championship uh, games and the conferences. And uh, Jordy Nelson was taken on average at wide receiver. You ready for this? Yep. 62. 62. Wow. Uh, behind the names of such all-star uh, household names, Earl Bennett, Nate Burleson, Mark Clayton, Anthony Armstrong, Jordan Shipley,
0: Lee Evans, Robert
1: the wow. Marius Thomas, Julio Jones was even taken before Jordy Nelson. I mean, on average, four drafts, and Jordy falls that far. Now, obviously, people have woke up now, so the question is, let let me take a look at this slotting here of these wide receivers. I'm going to give you uh, over or under, or how about before or after. I want you to tell me if he should be drafted before or after a certain player. And I'm going to start right here in the middle of this area that I see, and I'm going to throw a name out, Austin Colley, before or after. Should Jordy be drafted before or after Austin Colley? So,
2: should Jordy be drafted before or after Austin Colley? Is that what you're asking?
1: That's what I'm asking. Okay, I'll say um, after. Okay, so they've got Austin Collie right now ranked as the wide receiver thirty in these the aggregate average of these four drafts. Oh okay, uh, that's call behind names. Now the redraft Damon or Damon. dynasty. Yes, redraft. Steve Johnson, Harvin, Sidney Rice, Big Mike Williams, Crabtree, Steve Smith of the Giants, all are ranked right ahead of Collie. Um, In redraft,
2: I would I would take Collie ahead of uh, Jordy Nelson.
1: Okay. Alright, so let me let me drop it down a little bit. Maybe you're maybe you're a real Collie fan here. How about how about Sidney Rice before or after Jordy no.
2: Nelson? Jordy Nelson before him. No question.
1: Jordy course. Nelson for Sydney Rice. Okay, all right. Let's look at uh a Pierre Garcon before Jordy Nelson, before or after Pierre Garcon.
2: If I've taken Collie ahead, I'm I'm taking Jordy Nelson before Pierre Garcon.
1: Okay, so you have Collie, you're a you're a bigger collie fan than Garcon, I get it. Uh, let, let me throw out a name here that may be intriguing to you, Anquan Bolden. Now, we obviously saw what he went through this year. There didn't look like there was a lot of chemistry, not a lot of rhythm. He almost looked ex- exposed without that Kurt Warner okay. arm slinging going on. So that's, when you look that's at Anquan that. Bolden, that, that's he's easy, still
2: in a, in a redraft. i take Anquan Bolden before Jordy, Jordy Nelson.
1: Okay. All right, so. So you 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 you're sort of in the uh 20 to 25 range with Jordy Nelson. Somewhere in there is when you're going to pull the trigger on Jordy, but there's you're taking the elite tier, but you're letting the uh, you know, you're you're you're, you're you have uh Jordy up there pretty high. What about a, what about a uh a Mario Manningham? Mario Manningham and would you take Jordy Nelson before or after Mario Manningham?
2: Before, easily.
1: Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Mario's gotta Mario got give me
2: he's got to give me sixteen solid weeks. I mean he had a he had a pretty solid year last year, but that was because of injuries and and, and things like that. Uh without the injuries, I don't know what uh Manningham's gonna do. But uh he's gotta give me sixteen solid weeks and I think uh Jordy Nelson can give me uh sixteen solid weeks before Manningham can.
1: Yeah, well, they, they look like, uh, you know, since Steve Smith's set to be a free agent, uh, they do see Manningham just sliding into that number two role where he uh, excelled under Eli Manning. So, Jordy's one of these guys that I, I'm, I'm a big Dynasty guy, and I'm just going to go ahead and segue into this Dynasty segment that we have here, Mike. Uh, Dynasty a, is, a, is a very popular hobby these days. We've got uh, Wayne Ellis in the chat room who – Uh, Many of you know a Colts fan. He's a high-stakes veteran, and he did very well in the Dynasty Leagues this past year. matter of fact, the FFTC, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, they debuted three Dynasty Leagues, two leagues with a $750 entry fee and one league with a $1250 entry fee. They're 12-team leagues, uh, you know, in in a very high percentage going back to the players, but you can count on the money being secure while you're playing in a great format and a great scoring system. But uh, yeah, Wayne took down both of those titles, and dynasty is a, Dynasty's a, something we want to keep our eye on as this season goes by, and I want—that's why I wanted to bring up Jordy Nelson. That's a name that I think you could buy extremely, even though he had the big game in the Super Bowl. I think if if you if you believe that he's going to take over that target role beside Jennings, okay? Because look, we saw what James Jones did. He's an athlete. He's very very good player he drops the ball over and over again. You can't count on him. Zordy, I think you can count on uh, Great hands, and uh, he, he runs some really pretty crisp routes. He was, he was a very good player at Penn State. So yeah, this is a guy that, you know, if you think you could uh, give up a Sidney Rice-type player or a Michael Crabtree-type player, somebody that may be coveted more, but are going to have some very big difficulties because of the offense that they're in. I'm thinking you go ahead and give that player up. You give up the Sidney Rice, or maybe you even give up that Michael Crabtree, that might be a talented player, more talented, to take over a game. But the quarterback situation is so awful in those those cities that they're never going to compete with the Aaron Rodgers slinging it to Jordy Nelson over and over. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean you're going to have to uh start taking uh, wide receivers that you feel comfortable about. I wrote down a name and uh there, this is one that uh I don't know Scott, uh you might uh, relate to a little bit. Uh I'm looking at a wide receiver his value right now or his value a year ago and his value right now and that would be Percy Harvin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Percy fan, obviously. Uh, the concussions are definitely a concern. depends on the scoring league. I mean, if you're in some kind of a survivor league where every single week is very important, he's not your guy because he's going to miss some time. He's going to miss some games. He's got a small frame, 5'11". Uh, he's less than 200 pounds. I know that. But he's a, he's definitely a weapon. He's definitely a playmaker. Uh, he yeah, had 70 catch exactly. season last year. I mean,
2: he, he is so electrifying. But what's going yeah. to happen now uh, with the quarterback situation and, uh, you know, is he going to be the only go-to guy? If the, if he is the only go-to guy, then that could make it even worse because he's going to get doubled, and uh, what are they going to go
1: to next? We've got Lance, sports betting man, in the chat room. What's up, my friend? He's asking about Kevin Cobb, uh, another dynasty player here that we definitely have to talk about. He also fits into our – free agency segment that's coming up next as well, but Kevin Cobb yeah. is an interesting situation. He could end up in a San Francisco and improve the draft stock of Vernon Davis and Michael Crabtree substantially, or he could end up in a Minnesota-type situation where he, he puts Sidney Rice and Percy Harvin back on the map. So, yeah. very interesting Thanks. situation to watch Kevin Cobb. Who wants him the most? This, I'm telling you, I'll go ahead and skip ahead to the free agency segment here, Mike. This free agency year, because of the CBA and the unique situation surrounding the CBA, is going to be the most interesting free agent year the NFL has ever experienced, Mike. I, I know you know this already, but for the sake of the listeners, let me, let me read off a couple of names that are free agents this year. Now, obviously the two big names, Peyton Manning and Michael Pick, we believe they're going to be franchised. They're going to put the tag on those players, and you're going to have them you know, 99% of the time they're going to re-sign in that situation. But the collective bargaining agreement brings about a best-case, worst-case situation for these tagged free agents. So I just want to start there. The worst-case scenario is that Indianapolis, they tag Peyton Manning, right? But then the courts rule that the tag is invalid because there is no bargaining agreement that they're ruled under. So then the union would be decertify and take those owners to court. The courts would then determine if the owners have negotiated in this bad faith and if they have to impose new rules. So then those new rules would give lots of freedom to the players that didn't include a tag system. So at that point, well, again, worst-case scenario, I know it's not very plausible, but Peyton would then become a free agent. He could possibly be upset because he was tagged. He's not like that, but... And then he could take it out on the Colts by signing with another team. I know he met in Arizona not too long ago with Ken I'm Just saying, that's the worst-case scenario. The best-case scenario was because of this CBA, Mike, you know, the tag holds. The tag holds, Indy waits to sign Manning until the new rules are in place. And then, you know, with a better understanding of the cap and, you know, without pressure from the union, Indy has Manning. He signs up a friendly deal for the team that leaves plenty of cap room. That's the best case scenario. And it's probably the more likely scenario. I completely understand that. But this CBA, like I could read you name after name after name this year for the free agent market. It's going to be an absolute frenzy once this stuff starts going. Right. And, you know, it. I think that both, uh,
2: both sides, uh, Commissioner Goodell and uh, the uh, NFL Players Association – they're they're starting to get closer. I don't think anything's gonna be done by March third, uh which no. is the date. But uh no, you wonder, I do think something will be done by uh by draft day. And uh, I, I I really feel that way. Uh you know, you're talking about uh, free agents, uh, Kevin Cobb. Uh for instance, uh, Kevin Cobb, uh you mentioned a couple of teams. Well, what about Cincinnati or even Miami? You know, those are two teams that uh, would love to have Kevin Cobb on their team. But th- th- it's going to open up a, a whole a whole big deal once this CBA gets done. And let's hope it does. Uh, once it gets done, uh, it's going to be a free-for-all as far as free agents. And, you know, it all of them are going to have their opportunity to go after some guys. And uh, I think uh, quarterbacks like Kevin Cobb might be at a premium.
1: Man, I'll tell you what, they're talking about him in the chat room right now. I think, you know, you take a you take a Kevin Cobb and you put him in a Minnesota situation, Mike, that's all they need. And that's a Super Bowl team that was set up and ready to go last year. They just lost all the heart with the bad play by far, the Sydney Rice hip injury. It really threw everything into flux. And then the whole team just kind of gave up and gave heart. You know, there was nothing left. So I don't know if that ruined them and their chances, but they've got a lot of talent on that team. Anytime you have Adrian Peterson – uh you put him with a Kevin Cobb and those other weapons, that's gonna yep. be a very dangerous team. So I, I I'm pretty excited about that. I tell you this this free agency field thing, Mike, this this has really got me uh to take a, a look at all the players that are available out there. You just had Santana Moss, his contract became void as expected on Friday. He's an unrestricted free agent and uh you know, March 4th, the date the CBA is set to expire, he's looking for, like, you know, two to three years, probably $5 million per year. He's a guy that could help some teams. Now, Mike, I've identified two teams that I think desperately need a wide receiver two on their team to make that next push uh, to, to be somebody. And those two teams that I identified were the Falcons or the Titans. Where would Santana Moss be a better fit? The Falcons?
2: For the Titans, um, I think he'd be a well, without question, he'd be a better fit with Atlanta. Uh, the only reason is because the uh, the quarterback situation is uh, it's solid. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, in Tennessee, that quarterback situation is a mess. Uh, so if I want a, if I want a QB or a wide receiver two that I can rely on. You need to have a QB one to throw the ball to him, and uh, that would be uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons with uh, Matt Ryan, no question. I mean, that that's just what I think.
1: Yeah, the Falcons I've identified. They clearly need that wide receiver too. I think they saw that when defenses started doubling on Roddy White. It wasn't Roddy's fault. They just really started rolling all that coverage over to him, and they said, "We're, we're going to have to. We're going to. We're going to make." Mike Jenkins beat us if they're going to be and he did make some catches but they it's a definite obvious flaw in their game. They have to improve that position on that well, side of the field if they want to be considered a legitimate Super Bowl contender because that that defense has completely took Roddy White away really at at the end and and you know he had to force it to him.
2: Well, Scott, I mean you look at the two teams that were in the Super Bowl this year. Uh Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Uh Pittsburgh immediately started uh, seeing Emmanuel Sanders before he got hurt. Uh, Mike Wallace then Antoine Antoine Randall L did it in uh, on the other side of the ball. Green Bay, uh, Jordy Nelson, he ended up being the guy that was getting most of the uh, touches. Would could James Jones have done the same thing? Absolutely. So you know, every team has to have multiple guys ready to step in and do the job in those places. So, uh, you know, you talk about a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. Well, a lot of the good teams have have a wide receiver one, two, three, another wide receiver one, two, three. And that way they can all fit in and uh, make the team, you know, depending on the situation.
1: All right, Mike. I'm telling you that the situations here uh, are are fast and furious in the National Football League with all of this free agency that we're talking about. And and I agree with you about the CBA, Mike. I just want to say that I don't think a deal gets done uh, by March 3rd because there's no urgency in that situation. And and I want to get your take because you're a big baseball guy and you and you were through. You went through that whole. Uh, you know, yep. uh work stoppage that baseball went through and you still came out a fan, but I want to talk to you from a fan perspective what it what it felt like when when there wasn't any play going on. I could I, I don't see the NFL doing anything. These are millionaires crossing the table against over billionaires and, and they can't get this thing done. I mean, there's something wrong here. I don't know what it is, but there's no urgency until it has to get done. And I don't think I don't think that urgency comes until a couple of games are actually missed, Mike. I don't think urgency happens in the preseason. I don't think it happens during the summer. I don't think urgency happens until actual games are being missed and then they say, okay, you know what, we've missed four games or so. Now it's time to uh, to make things happen, Mike. What, tell me what it was like for you as a baseball fan seeing that work stoppage going on and what how that would feel here. Well I, I don't know. You know it wasn't. It wasn't fun
2: at all, Scott. It, you know, it was just like, uh, I can't believe I'm not able to watch a baseball game. Uh, and then once I delve deeper into it, you know, everybody wants to blame the players. And that's not necessarily it. Uh, the owners have a lot to do with this. This all started back, you know, years ago, back in 1970 with the free agency. Free agency has screwed up a lot of things because free agency created collective bargaining agreements. Free agency created uh, unions. Uh, I did not really – I didn't have a problem when the uh, owners locked the players out in baseball uh, that year. Uh, I didn't like it, but – I mean, it's the way it was. Uh, What you're saying as far as uh, why does that come down to the last minute, uh, I don't have a solution to that. The one thing about this and this NFL season is if there is not anything done before the draft, the end of April, then there's a problem, in my opinion. Because uh, we can get through the deadline, the, the quote, Deadline of uh, March third, we can get through that. But man, when it comes to draft time, the combine or the combine and then the draft, you you, you got to have your plan in motion. So if there's nothing done by draft time, I'm really concerned.
1: Yeah, I just don't think I just don't think it's gonna happen until the urgency actually takes place. And I don't see a reason for urgency until there's actual games being missed. So I, I just kinda of how I see it unfolding and I don't know what I'm gonna do without uh my my dose of, of uh the National Football League. Let's, let's look at a couple of other situations here, Mike. We've got a lot of players that their status is up in the air. Uh there's there's no more confusing situation than the Saints running back situation. They were twenty eighth in the league in the rush. Yep. Uh, the team's lead rusher in 2009 was Pierre Thomas, and he had this high ankle sprain. He was out of the lineup all 2010. And then, you know, depending on the new CBA, he could be an unrestricted free agent. He wants a deal, but do the Saints want him? I don't know. It's uh, He hasn't been paid much. His first couple years, he was near the league minimum, and he led the Saints in rushing. He was quite a bargain until the Saints just gave him, like, only like, well, for, for for NFL standards, not a lot of money. It's like 1.7 million in 2010. It made him very angry. He skipped those off-season workouts, which a lot of people and whispers around the organization thought that there was a suggestion inside the Saints' camp that that was uh, leading him to uh, he wasn't working hard enough to get back from that high ankle sprain. I mean, that was a bad injury, but but it, it seemed like it sure did take a long time. And, and so there's a little bit of ill will there. Bush, Reggie Bush was yeah. making like 12 million. He's owed 12 million next year, and the Saints could void that deal, so he could take less or walk. The definite keeper would be would be who? It'd be Chris Ivory. I mean, he's second year back. Oh right. seven hundred dollars. So yeah. he's a rookie. I mean, he stepped in.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, exactly, Scott. I mean, he he's shown he can do. Uh, you know, when he needs to fill in, Chris Ivory can uh, do whatever he needs to do uh it's just a shame to see the uh guys like uh, uh pierre thomas and uh well reggie bush i don't i still don't consider him a you know profile running back so to speak uh, but pierre thomas i do and pierre thomas has all the he has all the game to uh you know to make it to the next level in his uh, n f l career but uh you know things could change as far as that goes
1: Yeah, so the Saints running back situation is a mess. But uh, there is one likely place for Pierre Thomas, and that's the New England Patriots, Mike. New England looked hard and long at at Pierre last year. They sent an offer out for him. They wanted to to send a defensive back to New Orleans. And then at the last minute, they wanted New Orleans to throw in a high draft pick, and New Orleans Boston took the deal off the table. Well, this year they wouldn't have to do that. They wouldn't need that. Uh, They wouldn't have to include that first rounder and they could just kind of swap that out and here thomas could be to the patriots but another player that's 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 talked about a good possibility or a good fit is ronnie brown uh played a full 16 games last year he's going to turn 30 years old he didn't finish very well 26th in the league in running backs 200 carries 730 yards a very paltry and 3.6 yards per carry but he's still a playmaker. uh Who's a better fit for New England? Is it Ronnie Brown or Pierre Thomas? Uh, I think Pierre Thomas would be, but uh,
2: no, let me take that back. Uh, Ronnie Brown would probably be a good fit because uh, uh, he's just got so much more NFL experience, and I think that's what uh, Bill Belichick likes. He, he likes that NFL experience.
1: And uh, Pierre
2: Thomas, don't get me wrong, I mean, he does, but uh, Ronnie Brown has a lot more years uh, underneath his belt than uh, Pierre Thomas does as far as playing as many games. So I'd say Ronnie Brown could be a good fit there.
1: Well, he's uh, he's a wildcat. uh, And, you know, you're not going to pull Tom Brady off the field for any situation. So I don't know, that's the kind of thing that, that, that twists it for a little bit for me. I'm also looking at New England Reports, they want another wide receiver, Mike. They like that tight end set that they had, but they've got to replace and get a big body in there to, uh, you know, make uh, make some kind of target for Tom Brady. you got Tom Brady. you got to use him deep down the field. You cannot not do it. They couldn't do it during the regular season. That would just have been too difficult. They want to get another body. There's a couple of names here that come to mind. You've got Chad Ochocinco. You've got Malcolm Floyd, who's a potential here. And you've got uh, Vincent Jackson. Who would be a better fit in Tom Brady, New England? Well, you know what? The,
2: I mean, before you said Vincent Jackson, I was I was getting ready to say, Vincent Jackson, uh, he would be a perfect fit. Would he be a perfect fit with uh, Bill Belichick?
1: Man, would that not would that not feel like it catapults them to, again, the, the number one spot and, and they're going to stay there for a long You get Vincent Jackson on that team – Look, he wasn't happy with the Chargers tender last year. He sat out most of the season. So whether or not they make him happy this offseason depends on a lot of factors, obviously, that we're not going to be able to discuss. But Jackson most likely will be playing elsewhere next year. So the question is where? And I'm looking at the teams that need a wide receiver, Mike. Let me read them down to you. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Browns. I'm looking at the Jaguars, maybe the Titans. The Chiefs don't really have a legit number two the Chargers are obviously going to lose Vincent Jackson very likely. The Bears don't really have much. The Falcons I mean, need a number two. The Panthers top possibly, the Rams, the Niners, and the Seahawks. That's about it. Everybody else is set.
2: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of teams. What about Miami Dolphins? They could use a uh, number two, couldn't
1: they? Yeah, but you know what? Vincent Jackson's a number one. You've already got Brandon Marshall there, so I don't think you need – I don't think you need. I think you need a true number one wide receiver, and that's what New England needs. You know, Wes Welker's the the ultimate gamer and the ultimate go-to guy, but he's not a number one. And right now, you're asking Dion Branch to be a number one. That's that's he's a number two. Uh, yeah. You know, you put Vincent Jackson along with Dion Branch, and then put Wes Welker back in the slot where he belongs, and then you could do those those tight ends anytime you wanted. That becomes the, the offense that I think Bill Belichick would like to run with. <laughs> Uh, Tom Brady at the top. We've got another player to talk about, uh, D'Angelo Williams. He's obviously the coveted running back in this class of free agents, Mike. Uh, D'Angelo Williams, if he goes anywhere, I wanna, this is a two-part question. So we've got to find a place for him and a home for him. And obviously the Dolphins have catapulted him to the top of their must-get list. They've got a must-get list. He's at the top of that. But then you've got a situation at Carolina where that makes – Jonathan Stewart probably an elite running back, right? So you got two things. Where does D. Will end up? And what happens to Jonathan Stewart in the event that D. Will's no longer a factor? Right.
2: Right. I mean, you know, if D. Will if D. Will's moved, Jonathan Stewart becomes, uh, I mean, he he catapults 10-12 uh, spots in your uh, draft. At least. Uh, yeah. he Will, uh, Wherever he goes, he may move up as well. You know, it just depends on, uh, you know, what team. What team are we looking at to where Dwell could go to?
1: Yeah, as I look at the, uh, as I look around the league, there's not a lot of uh, NFL running back needs. I mean, that's that's the funny thing about the NFL right now, and they go into a lot of dual back systems, so you could see Dwell go anywhere. Uh, that has another back, and they just want to go dual back. But Indianapolis has been named as a potential suitor. The New York Jets have been named, depending on what happens with the Daniel Tomlinson. And then you've got uh, the Miami situation, which they've already declared that he's their guy, that he's the guy that they want. So I think I think you got to look at that entire AFC East, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets. You've got the Indianapolis Colts. You've got a situation in Cincinnati that if he went there, <laughs> he's their only thing they got because Cedric Benson is a free agent. There's, I, mean, there's, there's I know, a handful of teams
2: with KFC. Yeah, there are. And uh, I know uh, Tolbert, uh, I mean, he made, uh, he made some noise in San Diego, but how would D-Will look in San Diego?
0: Yeah,
1: I, I think with Ryan Matthews, uh, I, don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I, I don't think they can invest that much money in a running back position. You've already got Tolbert that's proven he can carry it for you. Uh, and you already drafted a, such a high draft pick on Ryan Matthews. I think you I think you you, you stay put there. That was a number one first-round draft pick. Uh, D'Angelo, obviously, another first-round draft pick. Uh, you've got another running back coming into the class that you have to talk about. It's Mark Ingram. Uh, it looks like yeah. he's the number one rusher in this class, and I don't know where he goes, but one of these teams is going to take a chance on Ingram if they don't land D-Will. So you've only got so many teams here that are looking at a running back. I don't see any other ones. Maybe Washington doesn't believe in Ryan Terrain just yet. Maybe they could be a suitor for one of these guys. But look at all these. Let me read some more names off, Mike. I know you know the list. Let me read some more names off. Uh, Joseph Paddy is a free agent. Cedric Benson, Ahmad Bradshaw likely will be re-signed, although Tiki Barber says to make Jacobs the main ball carrier. Michael Bush is a free agent. There's another name that we haven't talked about. But, again, getting another opportunity somewhere else maybe just what he needs. Uh, but he hasn't been able to displant uh, McFadden, who had a fantastic year this past 2010. Stephen Jackson's a free agent. Jerome Harris and Julius Jones, a couple of other lesser-known names. Uh We already talked about Pierre and Ronnie Brown and D'Angelo, but that's a big list of names for running man. There's going to be so much movement. It's going to really blow us away, man. I, I I can't imagine seeing Stephen Jackson on another team, you know? No, I, can't. Uh, I was just kidding.
2: I was just getting ready to interject, Scott. Uh, Steven Jackson, he's going to stay in St. Louis. Um, yeah. Cedric Benson, who knows what goes on there. Uh, you know, that that organization right now, as far as, uh, like like we talked earlier, Carson Palmer, he may not even be quarterback. He may, re- quote, retire. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, Steven Jackson in St. Louis, uh, if he stays in St. Louis, Steven Jackson and that crew of uh, Bradford, they might be very good.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about, uh, you know, that's the running back position. The wide receiver position is just as deep, if not deeper, Mike. Um, You've got Steve Steve Breston. You've got Mark Clayton coming off of that injury. You've got Braylon Edwards, Santonio Holmes. Let's talk about that real quick. The Jets, Braylon Edwards, and Santonio Holmes, they have to make a decision either neither or both mike what do the jets do do they sign either neither or both uh i think they uh i think they
2: sign both wow uh, th- they need that to, they need that to solidify uh sanchez and his uh maturation uh they they got to have both of them there and you know sanchez he's, he he continues to do well uh that's a very good team. Uh they're very confident with themselves. Um and they're gonna have
1: to they're
2: they're gonna have to have both of them.
1: Yeah, we just got experto in the in the chat room, experto ADA. We just talked to Vincent Jackson uh and our destination was uh the New England Patriots for V Jax. Um Mike there's another name for the Jets, another wide receiver that doesn't get a lot of love, but he is a difference maker, Brad Smith. He's a free agent. And he's a versatile player. Do you think they can get all three of those guys back? They've got a lot of needs on that team. They've, You know, David Harris, uh, Cromartie, they've got to get all these guys back into the fold. Uh, that's another guy, Brad Smith. Do you think you can get all three of those guys back? Brad Smith's a definite playmaker in all areas of the game. He can play the special teams role as well and be a dual kind of threat.
2: I know, but you, you're going to have to give up something to uh, get him, and I don't think I don't think they're going to go with all three of them. Uh, they're going to have to settle with the uh, with the two they got, and uh, which, which uh, I mean they're great. I mean they're very good at their position, but uh, they can't go with all three. And, and I, something I you suggest- need to, something you need to remember, Scott, is uh, that Dick uh, Keller. I mean. I expect Keller next year to even be better than he was this year, which was better than the year before. That's that's a key factor that's going to make uh, Mark Sanchez and the New York Jets a great team is Sanchez's delivery to Keller. Yeah. I
1: don't know. My, my gut tells me – I would like to have them both back. My gut tells me that they keep San Antonio Holmes. Uh, they, they they go ahead and, and and can't find a way to get the deal done with Braylon and he moves on somewhere, uh, and then you know they do try to pull in somebody cheap like a a Plaxico Burris for real cheap. Uh, I know we've talked about him. They might even yeah. pull in Brad Smith and bring up bring Jericho Cottry back to the two where he's more versatile. He he could play the two. He couldn't play the one. He was never a one, but he is a two. You can put Brad Smith on the field at all times as a three if you have to, and so. That kind of gets the deal done because you've got a good, strong running game. Like you said, you've got Keller to exploit. You weren't able to really exploit him as much as you would have liked to throughout the rest of the season. Early on, you did. But then when Holmes came in, they never really did start uh, to find him. I don't know what the problem was. There's more names on here, Mike. Uh, Malcolm Floyd we talked about. Uh, Derek Hagan, who started to look good. Jason Hill, lesser-known names, but still valuable players to the Jaguars there. I think we'll see a little bit more from Jason Hill. He's on my... Dynasty target list, Jason Hill. Just pick him up on your deeper roster, stash him away, see what happens, because I think Mike Sims-Walker is, I don't think he's got a lot left. I don't. I wasn't impressed with what I saw this past year. I think it'll be Mike Thomas and Jason Hill, and I think they might even bring in another uh, veteran free agent or possibly address it in the draft. Jacoby Jones is a free agent. James Jones is a free agent. Uh, we talked about Santana Moss already. Uh, T.O., you've got Sidney Rice, Lauren Robinson, Mike Sims, walker That's just a ton of names, Mike, and we haven't even gotten to the tight ends yet. Kevin Boss, yeah. Owen Daniels, Mercedes Lewis, Zach Miller, Kellen Winslow. All these guys got to be re-signed. And let's talk about Kellen Winslow for a second. He led the team in receptions. I think Freeman is going to make big, big strides next year as a quarterback. I think you've got to get Winslow back in the fold. Yeah. You know what?
2: I, and I, I agree with that. Again, uh, Freeman. Freeman is something that uh, I, I thought that you know I wasn't for sure about his talent, uh, how he could throw the ball, and this and that. But uh, you know, Josh Freeman is he's the real deal. And if Kellen Winslow, if he stays in Tampa, uh, you better get on him quick because he, he is going to be a huge, uh, uh, huge point maker for your team. Either way, I mean, because uh, Freeman has shown
1: himself, and
2: uh, so I just
1: I, – I like the combo. And then you've got the wide, the tight ends, uh, the wide receivers, that, you know, the, the huge tight ends here, Zach Miller, Mercedes Lewis. Yep. Mercedes Lewis has got to get re-signed in Jacksonville. What a great year. Finally a breakout year for him, 700 yards. 10 yep. scores. What a, what a year that was. And then Zach Miller – at least 56 balls the last three years in a row. I don't know if Owen Daniels gets re-signed, though. If they don't if they don't re-sign Daniels, I think they were pretty happy about this Joel Dreesen kid. That's a guy that if yeah, you want they're to go ahead and grab him on the cheap, you may just have the starting tight end in, in a Houston pass-friendly offense. So that's another name I'm going to give you. Joel Dreesen, just a deep, deep name to try to target. The other guy I'm going to tell you right now is a guy you're going to have to pay for to get, Mike. And I want your opinion of how much you've got to pay. But I think no matter what, if you go after Mike Wallace with a vengeance, I don't know what you're going to have to give up for him. If you're going to have to give up a Larry Fitzgerald or if you're going to have to give up a Miles Austin, I don't even know if Miles Austin will get it done.
2: No, Uh, I I, I don't think Miles Austin would get it done. If if I was to go straight up, if I had Miles Austin trying to get uh, Mike Wallace, uh, I would offer it, but... I would expect it real quick to be uh, rejected.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think I think Mike Williams is the future in Tampa. I think Mike Wallace is the future in I'm Pittsburgh. Sorry. I think both offenses are going to start to explode in the passing game. Uh, I think you have to give up a big, big name to get a Mike Wallace. I mean, you're talking about having – I don't know, man. What kind of a name could you possibly put together – for a Mike Wallace, I mean, you might have to give up a Brandon Marshall. Would you give up a Brandon Marshall for a Mike Wallace? I, huh. very tough to do. Yep,
2: yeah. you you'd almost have to de- uh, dig in, dig into your uh, running backs. Yeah, a deep yeah, running back.
1: Say. Give them a running back. Give them a, give them somebody who you know those running backs do break down. You got to remember that, guys. You can't always count on these running backs. You get two or three years out of them, done. Forget it. Don't be thinking you're going to get it yeah. over and over. It's and very situational, year in year out. Those running backs flip flop every year. Remember when Steve Slayton was a household name, or you know, some of these, yeah. some of these just completely revert back to their to their uh, to their old ways. You've got to go after the wide receivers, and Mike Wallace is that type of wide receiver that you could count on. So, well, Michael, was a full show. I didn't think we were going to do the full show. I don't know if you saw the Louisville game uh, the other night, man. Kyle Kuric was called for a technical foul on that dunk. Go Google it, guys. YouTube it. Look for the Kyle uh, Kirk sorry. film in the technical foul. We lost. We lost. Uh, we could have won uh, in regulation, but uh, it went into overtime when we got beat. But Kyle Kirk, that was definitely not a technical worst foul.
2: No, it no, it wasn't. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching uh, uh, Louisville and Syracuse tomorrow. Uh, they've got the uh, 25th year anniversary from the 80 Uh the whole crew is going to be there at the uh, Young Center for Mobile uh, and Syracuse tomorrow at noon. And you know, All right, everybody, thank you for
1: joining us. We've got 10 what? seconds. We'll see you guys next week. We appreciate everybody.
0: You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.